Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about evolving cross-cultural perspectives on institutional care of the elderly is Dr. Mayanka Gupta. Dr. Gupta is an assistant professor at the Department of Resource Management and Design Application, Lady Irwin College, University of Delhi, India. Her doctoral degree focused on quality of life of elderly at old age homes and recreation centers in India. She has conducted trainings on intergenerational bonding, theater, HIV AIDS, and sexual abuse for varied target groups. Presently, she is the staff advisor to the student association of her college. She is the executive committee member of All India Women's Education Fund Association, NGO in special consultative status with the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations, and observer status with the UNFCCC, and also to Lady Irwin College Alumni Association. She has also been a participant of two exchange programs related to the community in HIV AIDS in America and Canada, respectively. How are you doing today, Dr. Gupta? I'm doing good, Jason. How are you doing? Well, I'm very well, so thank you. I know you and I have been communicating for some time, so we're eager to get going. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you go. Thank you. So good afternoon and namaste from India. Today I'm going to speak through changes in my perspectives regarding the institutional care of elderly from a young 21 year old to the present day. Next. So there are chances that I resonate the same feelings and observation as yours. And there is also a chance that you might disagree or partially agree with me at certain places. So please put a thumbs up icon in the chat box if you agree. And if you don't, just do the opposite. I will be glad to have a dialogue with you in the end or after the session via the mail as the time permits so that all of us have some key takeaway from the session. Next. While I was deciding the title of this webinar, I kept on thinking of the most appropriate term to address the older people. As we use various terms and euphemisms all over the world, and it has a different connotation and meaning to it. So I thought, should I say old people? As United Nations has agreed that 65 years and older to be as old age people. Or should I say old age pensioners? The British usage. Or seniors. The American usage for people over the age of 65, which implies they are retired. Or should I say senior citizens? Usage more common in my own country and many other Asian countries. So used for people above the age of 60 years and most often for legal or policy related reasons in determining who is eligible for certain benefits. Or should I say older adults, as in social sciences. Or the elders in many cultures, including the aboriginal people. The older adults are further being categorized into three categories. Young adult between the age of 60 to 74 years, old old between the age of 75 to 84 years and very old, 85 years and above. So finally I decided to use the term elderly which has a more worldwide appeal. So as you noticed, most of the terms and categorizations are based on the numbers but the common saying, you are as old as you feel has a meaning too. Next, the term institutional care refers to different care institutions for elderly which can vary from country to country. But for today I will be concentrating on two types more common in America and India with more emphasis of my experiences in India. First category is the permanent, alter, uh, permanent alternative living abode 
known as the resident care homes or retirement homes in America and old age homes in India. Second category is availing the services of an institution for a few hours a day while the elderly are still staying with their families or living alone called daycare centers in America or recreation centers in India. The elderly here remains in contact with their familiar community and social environment thus maintaining a sense of continuity. I will be narrating only a few experiences and a small part of my research work. I will be discussing the way forward as also shared by some of our participants simultaneously. During an exchange program to Michigan University in 2006, I got an opportunity to do a short internship at an institution working for the cause of elderly in Lansing and volunteer for their elderly programs like providing home services such as home delivered meals through Meals on Wheels program, home health aid so that elderly remain at home with the assistance provided which helps to maintain personal safety and hygiene. The daycare center offered programs to enhance socialization and interaction with peers along with their mental and physical stimulation through various activities, individual or in small or large groups such as bingo, entertainment with community volunteers, picnics, intergenerational programs, art and crafts, pet therapy and many more with a goal to keep elderly active and alert and also to try new things. I'm sorry. Uh, during my stint of volunteerism, I found the elderly at these centers to be very happy, participative, competitive, joking and most importantly, they interacted with each other. Mobility was not a constraint as most of them were dropped in by their pair or children in a vehicle or special vehicles were deployed to bring them to the daycare centers by some voluntary organizations. The programs organized were usually assisted by volunteers or activity coordinators who plan activity roster for the week and change the programs to break the monotony. So I went back to India with several questions in my mind. Why are elderly living in institutional settings or attending daycare centers meant for them? Does such programs and activities have an impact on the quality of life and make aging an enjoyable process? Next, the differences in scenario at the care institutions of both countries can be attributed to their history of evolution. The recreation center scheme in India was introduced in early 90s in northern India. In retrospect to West, most of the recreation centers do not have assisted programs and number of people visiting these centers is also very less. According to my study, only 20% visited these centers regularly due to various factors like lack of awareness, restricted mobility as, re as requisite transport facility system was not available to bring them to these centers and the elderly did not find the recreation activities interesting enough and the activities as the activities were not facilitated to be organized at a common time. So the elderly could not come together to socialize with each other. Moreover, the geographical spread of these centers is uneven. And the number of centers is also very less to cater to the needs of the rising elderly population. In some cases, few of the recreation centers have now closed operations as very few elderly avail the services. Lot of elderly and the family members I interacted with said that they are not even aware that there is a recreation center in the neighborhood. Wow. 
So the pertinent need is to raise awareness regarding these centers by involving resident welfare associations, advertising them in newspapers, local media. And the kind of programs and activities need a modification too, which I will be talking late in the later part of the webinar. Coming to old age home, till a decade back, India and many countries of Asia had rooted traditional joint family systems where the elders were being cared of by the younger generations of their family, most commonly by the sons. So the concept of old age home was in the, was in the infancy stage. In India, the first old age home was established in the early 19th century, century in retrospect to USA, whose history dates back to 17th century, where the concept of poor houses, which are the charity homes for poors, became very popular, which were then replaced by board and care homes. These are the licensed 24-hour 24, 24 care property, often within someone's personal home providing the basic levels of care and needs. These homes were then converted into something more public and permanent that was state and federally funded. From this, by 1965, resident care homes or nursing homes were a solid fixture. In India, beside the government-run old age homes, next, Several voluntary organizations, religious groups, and private organizations are running these homes. So there are two types of homes available. First is the free-to-stay old-age home, mostly for destitute elderly, where most of the services and facilities are provided for free. And the other is the pay-and-stay homes, where the services come for a fee. Some of the homes in India are only for elderly women. As you can see, the residential care model of both the countries is quite similar, which includes nursing care, dietary needs, environmental and maintenance services, as well as activities to ensure active and engaged residents through indoor and outdoor recreational avenues. But in most of the cases in India, the services provided, especially the medical or nursing, are very basic. Pairing a few pay-to-stay homes where the fees is exorbitant, which cannot be afforded by everyone. In most of the cases, the old age home is connected to a nearby government hospital and these homes only take the responsibility of taking the elderly resident to these hospitals. But thereafter, the medical care has to be taken by the family member. Most of these homes, especially the free-to-stay homes, are not inclusively designed. Lack of facilities of grab bars, alarms, adjustable or assistive devices, accessible toilets, handrails, etc. The need for institutional care has become indispensable for elderly in India for those who are not living with their children for various reasons. Prior to this webinar, the participants were asked to, uh, to tell what is their first reflection that comes to their mind when they hear this word institutional care. Joe Ramos from USA has said abandonment. Abandonment. I too share the similar notion earlier. True, it is the most prime reason. But as I delved further into my PhD, there were also many other reasons uh, which contributed to their joining of these homes, like migration of the children for better job opportunities. In some cases, children didn't want to keep them, and in other cases, elderly didn't want to go with them. Second, elderly not wanting to live with their children due to adjustment issues. In some cases, one of the spouses were living with their children while the other moved to the old age home 
which was mostly men. Elderly having only daughters. And traditionally in our culture, daughters after marriage usually live with the spouse, parents or family. But the usual practice is not the son-in-law living or calling the in-laws to stay with them, even if they are alone. The others included the destitute elderly who were living on streets and had no permanent abode. Widowed elderly having no children and who could not look after themselves or who lacked community support and or those who lacked financial resources. So when I met these elderly at these homes in India, the spark was difficult to find. Next. They were dull, dejected, aimless, bitter and faced problems of bureaucracy, depersonalization, adjustment problems with other elderly residents and new environments. Poor physical activity, anxiety and loneliness. As many researchers have pointed out, that the stress overload in transferring to a newer environment hampers adaptation and restricts the use of previously successful coping mechanisms. Thus, they are intellectually ineffective, possessing a very negative self-image of themselves and having low interest in their surroundings. One of the webinar's participants today, Namara Arthur Arali from Uganda, has shared a similar perspective of his own country. He says, the first thought institutional care brings to his mind is the word turning point. Further adding that, moving away from the environment one is used to, especially, for, especially in the old age, when your functional ability is being challenged, can be very threatening. Being in the hands of strangers can lead to loneliness, isolation and depression. Having to eat according to the menu, not choice given, can be very inconvenient. My dear friend, the picture holds completely true for the Indian settings. The menu is decided by the administration and to cater to the differential dietary needs of the elderly is a challenge. In many cases, the need of assistive care or voluntary help is not provided and the elderly has to manage by themselves. In pay-to-stay homes, elderly felt all the more lonely because they had very small social network size as the personal interactions were very limited as they came from a varied cultural setting and social background. In retrospect to free to stay old age homes where the destitute elderly are coming from the same living conditions. So in 2007 during my master's study I planned a few interventions like augmentation of their participation in already conducted religious programs trying some board games, common activities like song, painting. But to my dismay, the success of these programs was not satisfactory. The group programs. The best I could do was some individual activities like elderly sharing some poems, short stories written by them. I also took my little niece, children from my neighborhood to these centers. And I noticed that the elderly felt happy having children around them. Next, with much introspection during my doctorate, I realized the most important factor to this sad and gloomy state is the power of acceptance. That is not coming to terms with the situation that is not rooted in our cultural setting. Elderly living in the joint family structure in their formative years grow up with the mindset that they will be cared by the family. 
they have an emotional attachment to their homes and thus any change in this concept is unacceptable and thus it leads to a stigma to the very word old age home on the other hand elderly in the west have grown up with the notion that their children will seek an independent journey at the age of 16 to 18 years so they are attuned to the idea of living alone see i am not comparing but i'm trying to emphasize that we let a future to be shaped up in the childhood in our belief patterns look at the present covid times is it giving a reality check to revisit our family structures and bonds so do the west need a relook at their social cultural setup of children leaving families early and leading an independent life so the conclusion i'm trying to draw is that future is unpredictable we don't know the transition our society will go through in the next few decades so we need to build this power of acceptance a willingness to experience events in a life course without having to avoid them most of the studies emphasize that we should change the mindset of the elderly but is it easy at this age certainly not they have very strong beliefs deep rooted habits experience so bringing a change at this age is not easy so the possible way forward is we should give them a direct uh, it gives us a direction that we need to integrate this theory of acceptance into the learning framework of our children and youth as they bringing about any change in this stage is the easiest so let them make so let them prepare for their old age the other important reflection was is the loci of my happiness driven by external factors is the happiness rooted only in societal ideologies the so called accepted norms family members so it showed the way that people before planning any external program the first step is to stir the internal environment of elderly so the way forward is at these homes we should have avenues and outlets for them to open up there is an urgent need to have a round the clock trained counselor which is missing right now in most of the old age homes again we need to sensitize our children on the happiness theory so can we build the school and the old age home connect programs or the kindergarten adjacent to the homes or in the same complex where elderly can be sharing their experiences through storytelling and older adults can teach elderly on some new skills these partnership model have been talked about since a long time but it has not been working or it has not really shaped up we actually need some motivators for school administration so can we have the social credit system a scheme that youth or children building skills of elderly or vice versa will they will give them some credits in their educational program jonathan from south america one of our participants has shared that the way forward is to also involve families in the care inside the residence for this i can say that certain responsibilities including frequency of visitations should be attached to the contract between the guardians and the old age homes as many guardians rarely provide the necessary emotional support another important change in my perspective was the reverse concept that the elderly at these centers should be considered only as takers my conversation with them made me realize that they are very important resource and they need avenues to give back to the society i'll give you a very simple example jason you told me that the mission of knowledgeable aging is to provide a platform to share unique perspective on aging issues by experts and industry professionals so can we have such similar platforms where elderly from around the globe 
especially from the care institutions are also invited to share their wealth of knowledge with the aging process, their narratives, experiences, self-coping mechanisms, traditional healing practices, cultural heritage, recipes, gardening tips, so much. So can we initiate such local elder to elder get to know me programs or of elderly or elderly virtual exchange programs where elderly from different countries can connect to each other or youth or elderly virtual intergenerational programs also catering to the new normal of COVID-19 so that youth from different countries especially where youth volunteer programs are well developed can exchange ideas and thoughts, digital knowledge. One of our participants, Yashika Malhotra from India, has responded similar thoughts. She says that we should make arrangements to teach elderly new skills, especially technology skills, so that young or the older elder uh, can help each other through these virtual programs. Many participants of today have expressed to foster neighborhood support. Ajit Chishadri from India has shared, the, shared his thought that young people to care of the elders with humane care, humility and dignity. Next, my PhD major focus was to measure the quality of life of elderly at these care homes. World Health Organization in 1998 has defined quality of life as individual perceptions of their position in life in context of the culture and value systems in which they live in relation to their goals, expectations, standards and concerns. The approach to the measurement of the quality of life derives from the position that there are number of dimensions of living and each dimension contributes to its overall assessment. Most of these scales like WHO quality of life index focuses on the present perceived quality of life and accordingly suggestions are given. But I was intrigued to know what is the existing quality of life and which dimension the elderly themselves desire to improve. So I developed my own quality of life index, ensuring its reliability, validity, and studied the quality of life in the existing as well as in the desired situation to, to understand their expectations from life, which will guide in formulating future programs for them on each dimension. As you can see, the physical dimension refers to the ability of a person to perform day-to-day -day physical activities, energy and fatigue, food and nutrition, health and hygiene, Level of independent dimension is the mobility and also the feeling of freedom of movement, the ease to travel. Economic dimension refers to the income and financial security and also to the sense of satisfaction from our own financial condition. Spiritual dimension is the experience of selffulness with oneself and also with other human beings, that is in transcendence with others' realm. Psychological dimension is a person's internal loci of control, feelings and emotions, self-concept and cognition. Social refers to interpersonal relationships with families and peers and social support. Environment refers to safety, physical environment, infrastructure facilities. Leisure and recreation dimension are the activities and programs that allows elderly to engage voluntarily for intrinsic enjoyment. I did a lot of statistical analysis on the rating of the infrastructure facilities, standardization of these homes, assistive devices, inclusive design of homes, relationship of various variables. But for today, I am restricting to a very small portion of my study. Next slide. Uh, as you can see in the perceived actual situation, 
spiritual was rated as the best dimension by elderly from all the different care institutions, paid, free and recreation centers, while variation existed in the worst dimension. Economic was perceived as the worst dimension by elderly from fee-to-stay homes, social for elderly from paid voltage homes, and physical for those visiting recreation centers. Next. So this is one of the statical, statistical tests applied. Uh, I will just try to give you the interpretation in a more simpler way. Next slide. So as you can see, uh, it is the highest gap in the existing and the desired quality of life for eight dimensions. Social cuts across all groups. While economic for free to stay old age homes, psychological for pay to stay old age home, and physical for those attending recreation centers. Thus, these indicated this important evolution of my quality of life index was as the structure of various institutions varies, the services and programs will need to be modified to accommodate the variant needs. These results are for the Indian settings, particularly in uh, the city I belong to Delhi. But if you apply in differential setup, you will see a variation in the dimensional uh, ranking and rating. So what is the way forward? So those attending recreation centers wanted to improve their physical dimension the most. Hence, we should attune our programs related to exercise, better nutrition sessions, physiotherapy, wellness, which currently are not happening in the recreation centers in India, as more of the focus is on the recreation aspect. Pay-to-stay homes need programs to enhance social interaction and also to deal with the psychological dimension the most. While the free old age home needs to foster the skills of elderly to provide them little avenues for income generation. Next. So now I just want to uh, conclude it by the simple way forwards. Uh, one is definitely we can do some capacity building of the elderly in technology. We can have some digital health stations where youth can help elderly. We need to definitely change the name of the old age homes to residential homes to remove the stigma and also foster the concept of retirement societies, which is a very up upcoming concept. We can also strengthen the volunteer programs, just like the Meals on Wheels programs in many countries, where employ volunteers uh, for such programs during the lunch break. The corporates can make it a part of the CSR activity and give credit to their employees to begin with. Trained counselors should be recruited so that uh, who, are uh, who are skilled in techniques such as life review, time slips, to gauge their present psychological state and those and help the elderly to overcome their mental, uh, uh, their mental decline. And lastly, I think standardization of the care facilities and accreditation of the homes is the need of the hour. Some of the other ways are also shared by the, uh, like the enchantment theory shared by one of our uh, participants. Uh, he shared a link. Uh, can you put it in the chat box, uh, Jason? Pardon? Uh, okay, so I, I'll not be able to put up in the chat box. But if anybody no. could be interested, we will send it, to, send it across to Jason by mail. So he can read his theory and I think he has shared some uh, very interesting concept on the enchantment theory. Yeah, we can do that. So, yeah. So I will just like to end in the words of Sir James Sterling Ross, who said, you do not need old age. You protect it, you promote it, and you extend it. These are the few of the glimpses of the old age homes with 
do permissions for them to showcase. Uh, so you can see some children's interaction, they having sitting in the dining table, but all of them you can see less interaction, doing some activities. Next. And uh, you can also see, uh, yeah, the next slide. So I don't have pictures of my volunteering in America because it was long back, uh, last second, and we didn't have mobiles uh, for the easy take of the pics. So I've just added one uh, photo of my program and other pics of the OJJ. So, so Jason, over to you. Very well. Well, thank you, Dr. Gupta. Uh, this is excellent. Uh, a, a lot to think about. So um, we are going to get that uh, link out to everybody, but how can people find you? Okay, so I could be find out. Uh, you can contact me on my email. Uh, it is mayankagupta123, that is M-A-Y-A-N-K-A-G-U-P-T-A-123 at gmail.com. My alternative email ID is M-A-Y-A-N-K-A-G-U-P-T-A-85 at gmail.com. LinkedIn profile, uh, well, it will be difficult for you to copy this, so simply search Dr. Mayanka Gupta <laughs> Lady of Wing College, you will be able to find me. Uh, Facebook, uh, it is Mayanka Gupta 902. My telephone number is 91, the India code, 9899966407. Or I would simply recommend you check the contributor section on the Knowledgeable Aging site. All my details are mentioned there. Very good. Well, once again, Dr. Gupta, thank you uh, for this uh, presentation today. A, a, a lot to take in. And until um, next time, my name is Jason Kotar. I'm the host, and this is Knowledgeable Aging. <laughs>